Up to 3.5 billion birds migrate across North America every spring. Why don't we see them? <laughs> okay, what famous actor was buried with a gold whistle? Answers to those and other questions coming up in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to The Off-Ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, and take a side road to sanity. <laughs> sure, Bob. <laughs> this is sanity? Okay. <laughs> All right, Marcia. Bird migration. Yeah, why don't we see them, huh? Yeah, it we, happens on a planetary scale, and there are 3.5 billion birds migrate across North America spring alone. Why don't we see them? We see a hell of a lot of Canadian geese. Yeah. Twice a year. Right. But what about the rest of those birds? All the other birds, 600 species. Do, Why don't we see them? It's not because they fly too high. They can't fly too high, right? No, it's not that. They travel at night. That's exactly <laughs> right. All that traffic, 3.5 billion birds crossing the North American continent and similar numbers across South America, Africa, Europe, Asia, and Australia. And except, like you said, for a flight of geese here and there, we just don't see it. It's been invisible. Well, now there is a new website called BirdCast. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It lets you take a look at the birds. It's a joint product of three universities, Cornell, Colorado State, and the University of Massachusetts. And you can track the birds live as they fly across the continent, your state, even your county. What they do is they take 140 radar stations and they show each night's migration. And then you can see numbers. So you might be watching their dashboard and see something like this. 101,294,800 birds have crossed Texas so far tonight. Oh, really? That's what it said last uh, Sunday night. Did you look? No. Oh. I've read an article on it. Uh, I see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they have a digital counter there, tracks the total number of birds estimated to have flown over an area and the direction, and the counter goes up and down in speed as more birds fly. So it's a pretty cool thing. Well, we ought to tell our friend Randy about that. Yes. Like he may that. know about it already. He's, yeah, he's a birder. Writing in the New York Times Magazine, Ty Burr calls the site a corrective to our human-centric view of the planet. Yeah, that's nice. It is, isn't it? All these creatures, and we kind of ignore them, but don't realize it's happening up there. Okay, flying on. What famous <laughs> actor was buried with a gold whistle? It could have been Humphrey Bogart, because his wife said in that movie, she goes, just give me a whistle, whatever that line was, a famous oh, line. Oh, my dear. Lauren Bacall. Yes, Humphrey Bogart died in 1957, and his wife, Lauren Bacall, placed a small gold whistle among his ashes. It was engraved with a famous line, she said in the movie, to have and have not. If you need anything, just whistle. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? It was their first film together and marked the period when they fell in love. What a sweet thing to do. Yeah. To bury that with your husband. Yeah, that is just so sweet. <laughs> Blow that whistle Have if you, you ever need me. seen that movie? It's, you know, it's one of those golden oldies. You know, there are certain movies that I know the names of, but I never saw. So I never saw that film. I yeah. guess we should watch that. It's like from the 30s, you think? No, it's 40s. Is it? Okay. Yeah, she was a young woman. She was about 19 when they met. Yeah, I can't believe she fell in love in love with old craggy bogart give me a bogart bob <laughs> you played it for her you played it for me that's right yeah to play it again play it again sam humphrey you didn't really say that all me. right what do you got well let me see <laughs> what have i got here 
More questions on animals. Okay, I've got a question on an animal that took down the NASDAQ stock exchange in 1987. It's not a bull. It's not a bear. What was it? What animal once took down a stock exchange? Uh, because of their extinction? It got in the mess of things. It got in the mess of things. It was an errant squirrel. <laughs> oh, and he literally. <laughs> Somehow he got into the, the, the wiring or something, and he caused the NASDAQ stock exchange oh, that's funny. to lose power for 82 minutes. When it, was that? It was 1987. And that one squirrel kept an estimated 20 million shares from being traded. <laughs> that's, so. a, that's a good little factoid. It is. From Britannica.com. Okay, I got a question. I think you'll know, but I wonder if our listeners all do. Here, okay. The most prestigious acronym in show business is EGOT, E-G-O-T. What does that stand for, Robert? <sighs> I don't know if yes, I know that one, do I? Yes, there are only 18 people in history that have an EGOT. Oh, they have an Emmy, a Grammy, Tony, uh -huh. and what's the O? Uh-huh. Well, what that, is that one? That's the big one. Well, well, well an Oscar. Yeah. Of course. Yes. <laughs> an EGOT. Okay. Yeah. So that's the term they use for those people. That's right. They're EGOT winners. And can you name any, uh, name a few of the top? Barbara uh, Streisand probably she, has. Yes, absolutely. Has to is. be a singer for the Grammy aspect of it. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. Who else would be that? Hmm. Let me see. <laughs> I don't think he had him. I'll just name a few. He never had a movie and a record at the Whoop, same time. Whoopi Boom. Goldberg. Oh, really? Andrew Lloyd Webber. Tim Rice, John Legend, Richard Rogers, Helen Hayes, Rita Marino, John Gielgud, Audrey Hepburn, Melvin Hamlish, Jonathan Tunick, Mel Brooks, and Mike Nichols. Okay, okay, I get the idea, but when did people like Helen Hayes and Whoopi Goldberg win Grammys for audio recordings? Well, I've got the answer. Okay. Helen Hayes was the first female EGOT winner. Oh. She, she uh, won a Grammy in 77 for the best spoken word for Great American Documents. Okay. Whoopi Goldberg won her Grammy in 85 for best comedy recording. Uh, it was called Direct from Broadway. Oh, I didn't know that. And get this, Bob, so far, only four of the 18 EGOT winners were women. Helen Hayes, Whoopi Goldberg, Audrey Hepburn, and Rita Marino. Wow. Who did it first? Who was the first person to earn an EGOT? Uh, Richard Rogers of Rogers and Hammerstein. Oh, so a composer. And Harry Belafonte, who recently died, was also an EGOT winner. Okay, and once again, an EGOT means? You've won an Emmy Award for TV, a Grammy for recording, an Oscar for film, and a Tony for live theater. EGOT. I got it. All right, Marsha, have I got a question for you? Uh, fire away, honey. I've got some bird questions. Oh. <laughs> Surprise. After talking about the bird migrations, several varieties of birds weigh less than a coin. What is the lightest known bird? What is the species? Hummingbird? That's right. It's the uh, broad-tailed hummingbirds. They weigh less than a nickel. And the bee hummingbirds of Cuba weigh less than a dime. They're often mistaken for an insect. Huh. Isn't that amazing? That's, wow. That's, that's small. Okay, one more. What bird can hold three gallons of water in its bill? No. Oh, okay. It's got to be a pelican. That's right. The American white pelican. And it doesn't uh, 
use that storage for you know eating. It's just, just temporarily. For- yeah, when they're hunting for fish, they dump the water oh. and they swallow their prey. Their bills have how a can- larger capacity than their bellies. How can they not swallow all that water? How do they get rid of the water and keep the fish? Like, it's yeah. just like having it in your mouth. You don't have to swallow everything you have in your mouth. You know, you can spit it out. That's well, not easy. That's well, what they do. Okay. Three gallons, though. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. You so ever seen a gallon of milk? Imagine three of those. That's, Jeez. That's a lot. It is hard to believe. All right. Okay. One more award question. I'm going to mention each award, and you tell me how it got its name. Okay. Emmy. That's the TV award. Uh, let's see. The Emmy. That is the... That's one I really don't know how yeah, that came this about. This is pretty obscure. Okay. It was originally named Ike which was the nickname for the iconoscope tube used early in television cameras. Oh, my goodness. Yes, but changed it to Emmy, the nickname for image orthicon camera. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. It, it was Emmy originally. Yeah, the name stuck but was later modified to Emmy because the award itself depicts a woman with wings who was modeled after the wife of the man who designed it. <laughs> Oh, jeez. It was uh, TV engineer Louis McManus. What was his wife's name? Was Emmy? Emmy, yeah. Oh, no kidding. And he designed the award uh, using her as the model. I'll be darned. And so they just said, okay, it's Emmy. Forget Emmy. And then Oscar was named after, uh, I think Oscar was the name of... Somebody said, he looks like my Uncle Oscar, I think. It was a woman who worked at the Academy Awards offices. The prevailing rumor is that she was the Academy librarian, and she joked about the back of the silhouette looking just like her Uncle Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) And then the Tony, I think that's named after a Broadway actor or director, right? Yes. For Outstanding Achievement, the Tony, which is live theater, was named after Antoinette Tony Perry, an actress, producer, and theater director who was co-founder and secretary of the American Theater Wing. Okay. So she had some heavy credentials. Did you say what a Grammy was yet? Uh, That's the easy one. It's a gramophone. Yes. Yes, that exactly. came from the gramophone. Though. So those are how the four big show business uh, awards got their name. Speaking of names. <laughs> yes. Okay, we have two months here I'm going to go to and tell me what, what they came from. The month of May. Where does that get its name? From my middle name. Marsha May. No, it's not from your middle name, Marsha. Okay. It has another May, May, May. <laughs> uh, M-A-Y. Don't know. The earth goddess Maya, M-A-I-A, whose domain was to nurture and oversee the growth of plants. That was the inspiration for May. The Latin word maiores, which means elders, was also tied to the time of year when the elders were celebrated. Okay. Only in the spring. Uh. Otherwise, get back in the box. <laughs> uh, June. What do you think that's named after? The Roman emperors? Uh, not an emperor, but a Roman god. Okay, let's say juniper. <laughs> I think that's a flower. The, uh, the goddess. The goddess of... Uh, Juno. Juno. Her well, purview included marriage, children, and the overall well-being of women. Is that why everybody wants to get married in June? Uh, probably is, yeah. Isn't that interesting? She was I the mythological that. wife of Jupiter, who was the king of the Roman pantheon. June and Jupiter. I bet you they were party favorites. That sounds like a boy. Hey, here they come. Yeah. June and <laughs> Juniper. <laughs> yeah, the Latin word juvenus, which means young people, may also have had some influence on the naming of the month. But it's all related to romance, youth, and uh, June and Juniper. <laughs> Goddess Juno. I'll be darned. So that's how May and June got their names. All right. Okay, Bob, why do we honor the dead by putting flowers on their grave? <sighs> Is that a practical thing? Was that a, had something to do with uh, 
I, I hate to bring this up, the smell of things when people die. Well, that's a good guess. You know, when, I bet you that was part of this thing here. Let's have some flowers there because the corpse has been there for a little while. And, yeah. You know, yeah. could be. But yeah. I don't know. Is that it or is it just a rebirth? It's a tradition that goes back 13,000 years. Wow. According to Reader's Digest. And would they lie? They've been around that long? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In Israel, archaeologists discovered skeletons that had been placed on a bed of blooms. A layer of mud preserved impressions of the sage and figwort flowers. So they were laid on it. And I'll bet you're right. It doesn't say it, but sage and figwort. I don't know what the heck a figwort is, but sage would smell good. <laughs> Interesting, huh? <laughs> yeah, 13,000 years it goes back. And we, it's just a tradition we still do. All right, Marsha, I've got a new vacation destination for you. All right, let's do it. Where can U.S. citizens go to mine diamonds? Africa. No. Russia. U.S. citizens. That's a clue, Marsha. It's in this country. In this country? Where can U.S. citizens go to mine I don't know diamonds? Where, I don't know where we have diamonds. Is it the South? Yes, it's somewhere in the South. Okay, so, okay, somewhere in the South. There's is actually my a park. Really? Diamond Park? Yeah, Diamond Park. <laughs> is it really? It's Crater of Diamonds State Park in Arkansas. No kidding. I'll tell you more about that after we take this break. You're listening to The Off Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid, you've got it right. This is Okay, Boomer, and I'm Robert Rickman. We feature News of the Week. Okay, Boomer. How history doesn't repeat itself, but rhymes. Okay, Boomer. Colorful Boomer features, brain exercises, and... and, and okay, Boomer. Uh, yeah, brain fog. You'll find Okay, Boomer wherever you download your podcasts. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. We're back. Bob and Marcia Smith and the off-ramp. We do this for the Cedarburg Public Library every week, and then it goes out on podcast platforms all over the world. Well, in this country, Marcia, there's a place called the Arkansas Crater of Diamonds State Park. Huh. It's the only working diamond field in the United States, and a farmer who owned it in 1906 found the first diamond really? there. Yeah, it's owned by the state. You can go for a small fee, and you can search the grounds for diamonds. So how many do you think have been found there? A lot or little? Quite a few. I could tell you how many were found uh, so far since 1982 and how many were found since 2022. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, altogether, I'll say 1,000. Okay. Uh, multiply that by 35. No kidding. 35,000 diamonds have been found by park visitors since 1982. In 2022, 500 were found alone. Why don't we go over there? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Why are we going there? Why don't we visit there? The, uh, the largest one ever found was called the Uncle Sam. It weighed 40 carats, 40.23 oh, carats. Yeah, that's in the Smithsonian. And then in 1990, the Strawn Wagner, a 3.3 carat white diamond, was found there. And the state bought that one. It's, uh, they bought it. It was worth $34,700. That's on display at the Park Center. And then the most recent one was a 3.29 brown carat diamond found this spring. So, yeah. Well, what's the deal? Do you have to pay to get in there? Yeah. They give you a shovel and you a You pay, pail? I think it's a small amount, like $13, something uh -huh. like that. And then, yeah, then you just go looking. They probably have a senior discount. Uh, well, they might. Well, there we go. So a new vacation destination, Crater of Diamonds State Park. I knew you'd like that. That's near Murfreesboro, Arkansas. 
Okay. <laughs> All right, Bob. That that's pretty. I'm curious. How how come I never knew that? Uh, well, I've been keeping it from you, Marsha. I've never known anybody to go there either. Okay. I think it'd be fun just to say you've been there and yeah. you looked. Uh-huh. You know, uh, some people have tips like oh, go during the middle of the day because the sun shines on. The, oh, that you makes sense. You can see it more. Things like that. Okay, Bob. Triple A. Okay. Not Alcoholics Anonymous, but the American, American Automobile, Automobile Association. Association. Yes. What situation prompted the formation of this group? I think it was accidents, wasn't it? Or was it the lack of good roads? <laughs> I think it might have been the because I think they promoted the, you know, paving of roads in America. Yeah, that's excellent thought process, but absolutely wrong. Really? According to Isaac Asimov, it was formed originally for the purpose of providing scouts or lookouts who could warn motorists about police traps. <laughs> that's what it was for. That's it. It was for speed traps. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That uh, that so if you joined, you'd get a heads up at police ahead. No kidding. That is bizarre. How did they provide it? I mean, did they just have people out there? I don't know. The American Automobile Association. Yeah. Wow. uh, I think they quickly moved on to other things, uh, more worthy. Oh, yes. They are more worthy. (laughs) Yes. From humble beginnings and, you know, kind of bad beginnings, that's what they were doing, to something, like you said, more noble. Yeah. American Automobile Association. They got great maps, don't they? Yes. And they they used to have a service where they would, you know, map out something for you. Oh, yeah. But now we've got all these, you know, ways and we've got Google Maps and all of that. I wonder how many people use that service. I don't know. I don't know. You know, our friends, the Freunds do. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Marcia, how did fake news lead? to an unusual custom for British royal births. Fake news. Fake news. Don't think that that's necessarily a new term. Oh, really? I do, yeah. I'm applying this to something that happened hundreds of years ago. Oh, hundreds of years ago. I was going to say that after you have the baby, you have to come out and step and let everybody see your baby. You know, It's sort of like that. Come out of the hospital or, or go on the balcony or something and say, here's my... Well, here this this just will appall you. Okay, <laughs> until recently, high-ranking government officials had to be present in the room during labor oh, and for delivery God's sakes. during the labor and delivery of British royal children. Oh my! The purpose God. was to ensure the births were legitimate and no baby swapping occurred. Oh, re- swapping! The first royal birth born after this rule was abolished was Prince Charles, who's now King Charles the Third. When he was born in 1948, nobody was there. Queen Elizabeth II didn't have to suffer a British government politician in the same room when she Jeez. gave birth, God. but they did that for over 200 years. It's bad enough you got interns in there with the doctor. <laughs> so you, you want to know how this started? Yeah. The case of fake news. In 1686, King Charles II died. He had no legitimate children, so, oh my, what's going to happen now, you know? Mm-hmm. That meant the throne passed on to his brother James... And in June of 1688, King James's wife, Mary of Modena, bore a healthy son, James Francis Edward. He was now the heir to the throne. But news of the baby's birth was met with denial. Opponents of the king, who feared a Catholic dynasty, started spreading fake news that Mary's child was stillborn and another baby had been brought into uh, the bedchamber. Yeah, well, they bought it like they buy everything today. That's so. right, a conspiracy. Because they were Catholic, see, and it was a Protestant nation. So mm. that was the problem there. So the little baby was known as an imposter baby, nicknamed the Pretender, and the theory gained so much traction, that's what motivated William of Orange to invade England and overthrow the king. 
in the Glorious Revolution. So um, that's when everything changed from the Stuarts of Scotland to the other families that have been there ever since. So from that birth on, from 1688 to 1948, more than 260 years, all royal births with heirs to the throne were witnessed by British politicians to verify the babies were rightfully heirs. Thank you, dear. Okay, Bob, what great musical writing team detested each other? <laughs> they detested each other. You know these t- two? Was it Rogers and Hammerstein? No. Was it uh, Rogers and Hart? No. Oh, uh, let's see. Who was it? They detested each other. Okay, who was it? Gilbert and Sullivan. No kidding. Yeah. They couldn't stand each other? No. W.S. Gilbert wrote the words, and Sir Arthur Sullivan, he wrote the music, and they had 14 incredibly popular operettas together, which yeah. I can sing to you later. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and they did it strictly by mail uh, from 1871 to 1896. Isn't that amazing? Some of the best songs were written by people who just exchanged things that way, like just Elton like John and Bernie Taupin. And- yeah. Gilbert and Sullivan broke up three times and tried unsuccessfully to work with other partners. Now, I never got the backstory on why they hated each other, Uh but they knew they could make money together, so they toughed it out. (laughs) So weird. Yeah. Okay, more bird questions, Marcia. Uh, (laughs) Just because a bird can't fly doesn't mean it's not dangerous. Flightless birds. Yeah. Which is known to have killed human beings with its feet. You ever heard of the cassowary? No. Penguin? Dodo or kiwi? Which one of those? What were they? Cassowary, spelled C-A-S-S-O-W-A-R-Y. The penguin, the dodo, or the kiwi? I'll say that first one. Well, you're right. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) It's been known to kill human beings with slashing blows of its feet. Really? Because the innermost of its toes bears a long dagger-like nail. In the innermost? Yeah, so it slashes. Well, where does this bird live? It lives in Australia and New Guinea and nearby islands. They got some weird stuff down there, (laughs) don't they? (laughs) Yes, they do. Yes. All right, Bob. What automobile holds the record for the most sales of a single model car? Would it be the Model T? No, this one. Okay, was it the Mustang? No. Oh, wonder what that would be. I found this surprise. What uh, is it recent? Uh, no, this one stopped being made in 2003. 2003, they stopped making this car. And it was, uh, it still hasn't been surpassed. It's not the uh, Volkswagen Beetle. Yes. Really? Yes. 20 million units were sold. Holy cow. Yep. And it hasn't been surpassed. Uh, it was in uh, production and being sold from 1938 to 2003. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I never, uh, you'd see them around, but you didn't see that many. I, would, I was always seeing Fords and things like that, I thought. They but. were very distinctive. Yes. That was the people's car, wasn't that? It Hitler was. had that designed. Is that right? That's what Volkswagen means, people's car. No kidding. Yeah. Well, aren't you a smarty pants? Thank you. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I have another question on royal births. All right. Who was the first royal father to actually watch his child being born? Really? Well, I bet you got to go. Uh, I'll bet that was... Who was the first, what did you say, modern? The first royal father. This is British royal father. Was it Philip? Yes, it was Philip. Okay. And it was not his first child. It was not his second child. It was the third one. His third child. Yeah. It was his fourth child. Oh, okay. He finally gave in. (laughs) Well, and Queen Elizabeth was encouraging him to come to the birth. So she had a role in this. And that kind of made it interesting for, you know, fathers to be there. Yeah. It was, uh, my father was not in the room when I was born. Your father wasn't either. Well, who was the fourth child? Was that? 
that Margaret or Prince was Edward? Prince Oh Eddie. Yeah. Ah, Edward. Is that he was the one in nineteen sixty four? Okay. Prince Edward. Yeah, it was high time, Bob, that <laughs> he get into the uh, birthing room. Now, before the royal babies were born in hospitals, where were they all born? Buckingham Palace. That's exactly right. They were all born there, except Princess Anne. She was born in Clarence House because Buckingham Palace was being renovated after World War II. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Why do we say, let's go hang out? Where does that come well, from? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, well, let's go hang out. Like clothes, on the clothesline yeah. or something. You'll like this answer. Was it something like that? No. Did it have anything to do with hanging anything? Yes. Oh, it did. Okay, let's hang out. Uh-huh. So we, what do we hang? We People hang clothes. People hang plants. And what else? Well, people get hanged when they die. Yeah, the, uh, you don't want to hang out there. No, you don't want to hang out there. All right, Bob. What's the answer? The expression comes from a time before commercial signs when English shopkeepers set up poles in front of their shops from which they would hang flags to describe the goods they sold. Oh. These flags were called hangouts because they put these flags, hung them outside, and here's what we got inside. Okay. And they became a place where people would stop to linger and gossip with oh, friends. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so let's hang out, man. Let's yeah. go out there by the flag, yeah, let's the banner. Under the hangout. I did not know that. Yeah, that's kind of uh, weird, but I like it. So this is before they really had signs on their stores yeah, and yeah, things? Yeah, they didn't have uh, you so know, So this must makers. go back hundreds and yeah. hundreds and hundreds yeah. of years. Do you think they had pictures on the flags? Probably. Or how did they do that? Emblems and things, I suppose. Yeah. Well, we saw some of that when we were in Europe, all the merchants. Oh, oh that was in Salzburg. Yeah. Yes, and they had ancient yeah. pictures of their wares, yeah. you know, that's, that's bread where, and things like that. That's where Mozart was born. Yeah. Okay, Marcia, what birds have a beard, a wattle, and a snood? <laughs> These are all parts of this animal. A duck. A duck, a pigeon, a turkey, or an eagle? A duck. No, it's a turkey. Well, a snood is what? The fold of the flesh that grows from the turkey's throat, that's called a wattle. Yes. Sounds like it would vibrate. Yes, the I have long, one of those. The, <laughs> the long fleshy ornament that grows from its forehead and hangs over its bill, that's called a snood. I have one of those too. Do you? Okay. <laughs> and the long tuft of hair that projects from its breast is called a beard of all things. You have one of those. I, no, I don't. That's not. Okay, and one more bird question for right, today. Uh, yes. Which bird lays the largest egg relative to its size. Okay. A kiwi, an oriole, an ostrich, or an albatross. Oh, ostrich or albatross. Uh, I will say, I I know this, I know this, ostrich. Well, the ostrich lays the largest egg of any bird. Well, then I'm right. No, the egg (laughs) is only about 2% of the mother's weight. I said relative to the size. Oh, there's a little trick in there. Okay. So a kiwi egg is larger. It's 20% of a mother's weight. That's big comparison. A full-term human baby, only 5% of his mother's weight. Imagine a baby that was 20% of your weight. Well, that would be a pretty (laughs) big... Oh, my. So that's the kiwi. It's the bird that lays the largest Largest egg egg relative to to its its size. size. Okay, that... I didn't comprehend yes, I know. all the sub- subtleties, the subtleties. The subtleties, the subtleties right. of my questions, Marcia. <laughs> they are so quaint. C.S. Lewis, Bob, he said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. That's a good one. Isn't that? That's a good and quote. And we'll end with W.C. Fields. I always cook with wine. Sometimes I even add food. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yes, W.C. Fields. <laughs> All right, babe. Isn't that interesting? Remember how he was so popular when we were growing up? There was were a he? lot of his films no, and he stuff. Was, but he was old. He'd been long dead, but yeah. his films were very popular. And when I was in college, they were showing his films. I never went to one, did that, you? They didn't stand the test of time, let's put it that it way. It wasn't my humor. It was kind of quiet, kind of quiet. I think it was on stage. It was funnier, you know, one of those things. But right. anyway, W.C. Fields, that's good. All right. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. And if you would like to contribute to the show, you can go to our website, theofframp.show, scroll all the way down, and send us a question so I can stump Marsha again <laughs> with something. <laughs> fascinating. Send it to me if it's a good one. Thank you very much. What? And goodbye. Okay. (laughs) I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marsha Smith. Join us again next time when we return with more questions and answers here on The The Off-Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin.